0: Hi, I'm Jeff Ray, your host for Economic Outlook. Welcome to our show, where each week we take a deep dive into the regional economy and the people, the companies, the communities and projects that are helping our region grow. They zeroed in on the 2021 session of the Indiana General Assembly, working to cultivate a world-class business environment and catalyze Indiana's economic recovery. We're sitting down with Kevin Brinegar from the Indiana Chamber of Commerce for a closer look at this legislative session and key issues the business community is focused on coming up on Economic Outlook. He represents the interests of more than 25,000 member businesses that employ over 4 million Hoosiers. They're the largest broad-based business advocacy group in the state, representing businesses of all size and types from every corner of Indiana. Please join me in welcoming Kevin Briniger, the president and CEO of the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. Just one other note before we get started, here at WNIT, we're respecting social distancing and as such have both our guests and our hosts uh, joining us virtually today instead of in person. So welcome, Kevin, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Jeff. I jumped the gun. Good to see you and be with you and your viewers.
0: Yeah, well, you're no stranger. We appreciate you've been on before and always popular to sort of hear your insight on, on, on important business issues that are going on around Indiana. So we're grateful for the chance to sit with you today. We're in the midst of the Indiana General Assembly legislative session. We know that uh, business uh, leaders across the state are paying really close attention to that. So we want to kind of focus on that a little bit today. Uh, but first, um, you know, I gave you, you know kind of a quick Uh, tease at the beginning about the Indiana Chamber, but but for those who are unfamiliar with what you do, tell us a little bit about kind of the Indiana Chamber and some of the things that you're involved in.
1: Sure. Um, I like to summarize what we do is everything revolves around a core mission of advocacy and member services. Uh, We have a team of seven uh, lobbyists that have uh, our issue experts in areas like tax, environment, workforce development, uh health care uh, etc and um we advocate for businesses across the state in all of the places where business and government touch at the state level and the federal level with our congressional delegation both particularly at the state house and particularly when the is in session our team is over there every day uh advocating trying to push pro-business policies make a better business climate and also um, stop the, uh, the bad legislation. So it's like playing basketball. You're, you're constantly on offense and defense um, at the same time. And um, we have uh, members uh, in all 92 counties, including St. Joe County and the North Central Indiana area. And um, we're kind of your insurance policy against for pushing for good legislation and protecting you against bad legislation.
0: Great. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate the good work that you're doing and, and your team there at, at the state house. And obviously, you're very plugged in and have been an important leader, I think, in, in policy that's put Indiana in a, in a great position to, to compete against other states. So, you know, let's shift to legislature. Before we get into policy issues, maybe a couple uh, questions more. Just so, so the Indiana General Assembly has changed really significantly this year because of COVID. It's not a normal session. You've been through quite a few sessions in the past, talk a little bit about how, how it's different uh, now
1: in the midst of the pandemic. Well, when you say I've been through a, a few sessions, that's very kind, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> this is my 41st wow. legislative session, uh, either working as a legislative staffer or uh, as an advocate for the business community at the chamber. And this is a session like no other, um, just to give you particularly the logistics. Um, the House of Representatives is conducting their sessions in the government center south in a large conference room spread out. Everybody has their own table, uh, plexiglass, etc. cetera. The Senate has chosen to uh, conduct their business in the Senate chambers, but uh, 30 of the senators are on the Senate floor spread out, and then the other 20 are up in the gallery above the Senate chambers, uh, spread out, and they've rigged up voting buttons and microphones up there. Um, so that's very different. And then committee hearings um, in the House, you have the option of either um, going to another room uh, nearby and testifying by a two-way audio and video, or you can go into the back of these large committee rooms. Committee members are all spread out. There is a mask mandate inside the state capitol and in the government center south. And then for the Senate, their committee hearings, um, they have the the legislators, the senators, in one room in the State House, and you go to another room to testify. And uh, it's very weird and unusual and unnerving that you're not testifying uh, in front of a group of senators who are on the committee, you're testifying to a laptop Mm -hmm. and talking back and forth. And in fact, uh, earlier this session, I testified to a Senate committee in the House Ways and Means Committee room, which is something I've never done. Sure, great. Well, it,
0: obviously, very different, and, and uh, the, yes. to their credit, they're they're figuring out a way to, way to do it. And, and so maybe one other question before we get to maybe more specific policy. So so I think the legislative process can be confusing to viewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes um, it, it, it's sort of long, it has to go through a lot of steps. And, and so I think, you know, they'll see a news report that says this has happened or that's happened, but, but, but maybe it's early in the process. So, so can you help uh, be our uh, schoolhouse rock uh, today? You know, <laughs> give, give us a little bit of a, a, uh, 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 an outline of, of process, where we are, when it ends, some of that kind of stuff.
1: Sure, um, there are really three phases to the legislative session. Um, There's the the first phase, which we're just about to finish uh, here in the next two weeks, which is bills uh, being um, heard and dealt with in their house of origin. Bills get introduced in either the house or the Senate. They get assigned to a committee uh, related to that subject matter And the committee chair is all powerful and decides which bills of those assigned to his or her committee get um, receive a hearing and a vote. And if the if that happens, they can be the bill can be amended in committee um, and voted on. And if it receives a favorable vote, goes to the floor of the House or the Senate um, where it is debated and can be amended further, voted on, sent to then the other house for consideration. So right now we're dealing with, the House is dealing with House bills only, um, uh, except for one or two bills that have already come over from the Senate, and the Senate is dealing with Senate bills. Uh, The deadline for bills to come out of committee in the House and Senate is next week, I think Tuesday in the House and maybe Wednesday in the Senate. Uh, Then they will go through final debate and vote, and um, early the week after. any bill that hasn't passed their house of origin will be dead. And then um, in the the next phase, the Senate will be dealing with house bills and the house will be dealing with Senate bills. And then the third and final phase, which will take place from mid April to about the end of April is conference committee, where in order for a bill to get to the governor's desk, it has to pass the house and the Senate in exactly the same form, not even a comma or a a word different and so both houses have to pass the exact same form and frequently you have bills that pass the house in one form and get amended in the second in the senate and um, then they have to work out the differences and that's done through a conference committee of two house members two senators they have to work out the differences agree to a conference committee report then goes back to the house and senate to for them to vote on exactly the same version So um, the activity in the second house will take place from about March through uh, mid-April and then we'll have that final phase. This year, we already know we're going to have a special session uh, and that is to do redistricting because the Census Bureau, usually by now we already have the census data we need to do redistricting once every 10 years. But the Census Bureau has told us that that data that we need on population in order to draw districts that all have the same amount of people in them or roughly the same amount for house districts and senate districts won't be available until July so the the general assembly at least for that one issue will be back in session sometime in July or August
0: Thank you, Kevin. That helps. If you could put a catchy little jingle, a schoolhouse rock jingle, next time, that would uh, that even make it simpler. I, I'm kidding.
1: Uh, I'm right, um, to try to come up with some rhyme.
0: There, there you go. And actually, it's complicated, but I think I've, as as you as you're in it, it, it really isn't all that complicated. A lot of the chances for the public to provide uh, input and to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, so let's go uh, maybe to a, a little bit more specific to what you're doing. So, you mentioned as we as you were making your remarks earlier that you play a little offense and a little defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so, and and we teased in the opener that you have 25,000 member businesses from every corner of Indiana. So, so can, can you just talk a little bit about sort of how you come about the priorities that are gonna be the offense uh, piece of this, the things that you're gonna focus on? Obviously, 25,000 businesses at, at all different sizes, scale, industry and stuff. Uh, how do you come about th- those priorities?
1: Well, we come about that We're we, we describe it that we're a membership organization not only in terms of that's where a significant portion of our operating revenue comes from, but also we're a membership uh, organization in that it's not myself and my lobbyists going out to the bar and saying, OK, we're going to be for this issue and against this one and neutral on this. Um, our policy positions come from our members. Um, we have policy committees, about 15 of them, and you know, all these issues: tax, environment, workforce development, healthcare, and those committees are made up of employees of member companies. Um, and so we draw on the expertise of our membership um, to determine what our policy positions are. And that goes into a document that we call legislative business issues. It's our general policy positions and they're adopted by our board of directors. And then we take every bill that's introduced and run it through the filter of those policy positions, say, is this a bill we care about? And if so, what's our position? And we put that into a second document uh, called Legislative Agenda, which is specific positions on specific bills. And I'm looking over my shoulder if I have a copy. Oh, here it it is. it. looks like this, um, and you go through, and it's all the bills we care about, and we give it to the legislator, so they have no excuse not to know where the Indiana chamber is on any given bill. And many of them keep it in their desk drawers on the floor of the House and Senate, and um, that, and then we supplement that with our with our day to day lobbying. And it has bills in here that that we um, are that we support and some that are priority bills and then we also have the the bad ones that uh, we call job killers and um, then we you know work with the committee chairman the legislators to move the good bills and and stall out the bad bills
0: great i appreciate it so and and i I think oftentimes uh, uh boy what a what a monumental herculean task it is sometimes even to to review those over a thousand bills uh, filed and so yes. to be able to sort of sort through read all the fine print and details a real credit to you and your team for, uh, for, for trying to bring some understanding to that. so, so let's let's get into some specific issues. So, so if I was to ask you Kevin, you know that the 2021 session, what's the top priority of the business community?
1: It is um, enacting legislation that will uh, protect businesses from frivolous lawsuits uh, related to COVID. Um, and fortunately, we've been successful in uh, and working with a, with a coalition, including uh, local chambers of commerce around, <clears throat> around the state, including, including your own. Um, and have got the legislative leadership and the governor to prioritize this as well. And, the, the, and that's evident by the fact that uh, one of the key bills is Senate Bill 1, uh, which indicates top priority for, for the Senate majority party. In the House, it's House Bill 1002, and the only higher priority is House Bill 1001, and that's the budget bill, which is something they have to pass. But this bill would provide um, protections for businesses, schools, um, hospitals, healthcare facilities from lawsuits um, in a situation where, you know, Jeff, I go into your place of business, and uh, two weeks later I contract the COVID virus and I claim that uh, I got it there, when in fact, we really don't know where I got it because of all the other places I've been in that two week period of time, uh, but you know I'm trying to get some money out of you through, maybe perhaps through a quick settlement. This would give you immunity from those situations. It does not give businesses uh, who are bad actors, who are not, uh, you, you have to follow established CDC guidelines in any state or local uh, requirements and guidelines in order to receive that immunity. Um, so the, any bad actors wouldn't be protected um, but that is indeed our, our number one priority, and that bill is moving pretty quickly. It's already passed the Senate, it's out of committee in the House, and in fact is uh, literally uh, being debated and will vote, voted on uh, this afternoon here when we're taping your program.
0: Great, thank you, Kevin, and thanks for helping uh, clarify that. I, I, I do think there was some misperception in the communities sometimes that, that every business, no matter what they uh, did would be immune but it, but it, it really was again the bad actors um, could still have to pay a consequence those that have tried to do the right thing so I, yeah. so I appreciate that um, you touched on uh, um, budget and and, and so uh, obviously uh, the the you, you've seen a few of these budget cycles mm-hmm. every two years the Indiana General Assembly has to do that it's the one primary requirement for them this session um, can you do any insight on just on, on this budget process how it coming together. Uh, Obviously, there's uncertainty because of the the pandemic, but uh, um, what what can you tell us about the the development of the budget process?
1: Sure. Um, The General Assembly this session will work on a two-year state budget. We do a biennial budget. That budget uh, period will run from July 1st of this year through June 30th of 2023, Um, and it is a constitutional requirement that the General Assembly um, have adopted a budget in order for the executive branch to have spending authority. Uh, the uh, again, as we're as we're recording this program uh, this afternoon, the House majority Republicans are unveiling their budget and voting it out of the Ways and Means Committee, and then it'll go to the full House next week for further debate, possible amendment. Um, the governor has introduced a budget. And that was the introduced bill. Um, there, we know there's an amendment coming. Um, one of the things that it will include is, is a priority of the Indiana Chamber as part of a group called the Alliance for Healthier Indiana, uh, which is trying to cut down our um, smoking rate long-term, which is now fourth highest in the country. Uh, and this b- budget uh, proposal will include a cigarette tax and tobacco tax increase not as high as we think is necessary to really impact behaviors, and we're pushing this because of the impact on who's your businesses, which is estimated to be 6.2 billion dollars a year in higher healthcare costs, lost productivity, and absenteeism, and that's 6.2 billion dollars that is not available to go into wages, benefits, training, or plant and equipment modernization. So that's that's one thing we know it's in there. We also um, learned i got a briefing on this last night that um this budget will take um it has some one-time money from the federal government and you got to be careful how you use that because you can't just build that into the the funding base because it won't be there the next year so um they've they've got less ongoing revenue than was previously expected because of the impact of the pandemic but then you've got this one-time money from the federal government that you need to use wisely and um, two of the areas that they're going to invest a lot of that one-time federal money uh, is in areas that are priorities of ours and and I believe priorities of yours, Jeff. One is to greatly expand broadband into the rural areas so that we come closer to having everyone have access to affordable, reliable um, uh, broadband. And then the other is they're gonna do some version of uh, a new regional cities type program with um, focus on regionalism and projects for those, uh, I believe it will be focused on those communities that didn't receive regional cities money the first time around. So those are, and then of course, the, uh, th- there'll be increasing funding for uh, K-12 education, higher education, and making some other one-time investments uh, with the, the one-time resources they have.
0: Great. So a lot of important decisions coming up on on budget priorities, Kevin, any, uh, so obviously the pandemic has impacted, you know, businesses, everybody in, in, in so many ways is, is this budget pretty normal? Has it been affected by the pandemic? Is there less money, more money, about the same money? Any
1: insight on on, on that? The um, And this will ultimately be further impacted by, and further decision-making by the, um, Uh, April revenue forecast update that they'll do in mid April is it's kind of a one last snapshot of what we think our revenues are going to be before we finalize this two-year budget and that revenue forecast has to look out over that two-year period which is not an easy task um, particularly given the times that we're in but certainly the the revenue curve uh, was bent downward by the pandemic Um, we are expecting this fiscal year um, that we're in now to be not much more than what it was last year. Uh, And so you have some growth in the the two years that you're budgeting for, I think about 2%, 2 .2 2.2% the first year, a little over 3% the second year, but you're starting from a lower starting point because of the impact of the pandemic uh, in 2020 and expected to be in 2021. So it is tighter than, uh, than had, you know, things continued as they were tracking um, at, really at this time last year, uh, right before the pandemic hit.
0: Great. Kevin, we're sort of moving into our last five minutes here. So, sure. so, uh, we, so we touched on broadband. We talked a little bit about business uh, liability issues. We, we touched on the budget. Um, some other, other issues that are high on your um, agenda that you're paying close attention to that would be good for our viewers to know more about.
1: Well, we think it's important um, to um, make sure that we administer the ILEARN test this spring. There's been a lot of talk and and we think it's real that there has been learning loss from the the fits and starts of going to school, then going virtual back and forth in some various school districts. Um, And we feel like we need to know what the impact has been so that we can our schools can devise programs and, and initiatives to catch students back up. So uh, there are, on the defensive side, there's some suggestions as, Oh, you know, we know the results aren't gonna be good, so let's just not um, you know, implement the test. Well, let's at least do it for a diagnostic purpose. So that's one, uh, that's one item on us. We're looking to uh, push forward a, a state energy plan. Uh, the Indian Chamber Foundation produced a comprehensive energy study Last fall, uh, that legislators are using, and the uh, the 21st Century Energy Task Force is there's a bill to continue that for two years. Um, we need to know where we're going and what our options are, and, and make some conscious decisions rather than just sort of wander into the, the future. So that's uh, that that's important. Um, with respect to also education, uh, we have a bill that would include. Um, create an expectation, not a mandate, because it would be an opt-out for students and their parents to fill out the federal assistance for free student aid, or what's called FAFSA form, um, because we have the lowest completion rate of the FAFSA of any state in the Midwest, and one of the lowest in the country. And there's a lot of free money out there that will um, be provided, and and lower uh, low, low interest rate loan money as well, post-secondary education. And it's not just traditional for your college degrees, you also need to fill out the FAFSA form to access the governor's um, next century, uh, next level, excuse me, job uh, funds and uh, industry certificates and other things. And so we'd like for that to be an expectation that every student do that uh, and get the guidance counselors to help them. And then um, The other thing that that comes to mind is, oh, what was that that just popped out of my head? Uh, (laughs) um, Oh, workshare. Um, We believe that the state should enact a workshare program, which is related to unemployment insurance. Right now, employers, if they're in an economic downturn, like we've gone through here recently, uh, and they need to reduce staff, their only option is to lay people off entirely. At that point, employee loses their benefits, they lose the, the employer's retirement contributions. And uh, workshare is something that the uh, Federal Unemployment Insurance Program allows states to uh, do that. You can reduce the hours without laying people off entirely. They receive partial unemployment, they re- continue to receive all their benefits. And uh, since the CARES Act was passed in March, up till now and continuing at least through April and probably through September under the President Biden's plan, the federal government is paying 100% of the work share benefits for states that have workshare legislation. And there's a study that just came out yesterday from the Brookings Institution that estimates that by not being a workshare state, Indiana has left as much as $100 million on the table of federal money that would have been there to help shore up Uh, the stability of our Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund. And because it's continuing, there's a roughly by September, it would be another $100 million. Um, Workshare will keep uh, more people employed and less people unemployed. The employers have the benefit of they don't lose their training investment in those individuals. And then when things pick back up, they have to go find them. So I know this is something uh, that our local chamber friends around the state have supported as well. There is a hearing on the bill uh, next week in the Senate, and um, we're hoping the chairman will give the bill a vote as well, but that's still um, up in the air. But we're pushing really hard, in fact, to put a press release out on the Brookings findings um, earlier today.
0: Great. Thanks, Kevin. We have covered a ton of topics today. Really grateful. There's probably a thousand more, but unfortunately, we're out of time. He's Kevin Brenninger. He's the president and CEO of the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Jeff, it's always good to visit with you and the viewers up in North Central Indiana. And I really appreciate the opportunity. And um, thanks very much. Yeah, so that's it for our show today.
0: Thank you for watching on WNIT or listening to our podcast. To watch this episode again or any of our past episodes, you can find Economic Outlook at WNIT.org or find our podcast on most major podcast platforms. We also encourage you to like us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter. I'm Jeff Ray. I'll see you next week. This WNIT local production has been made possible in part by viewers like you.
1: Thank you.